This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. There he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave in the undisclosed location in the piney woods of north central Florida, God's country. My golly, and the cattle are out in the pasture right now and the grass is growing. But the heat is coming down. I'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. This is our ever-increasingly popular Wednesday because uh, Representative Ted Yoho has agreed to be my co-host for the foreseeable future. And that's really a plus for you because we have with us uh, a gentleman who has eight years of experience inside the belly of the beast, if you will, and that is Washington, D.C. Uh, right now, Ted is on Zoom with me. He's in Key West. He'll be back next week. And then he goes off to Vietnam. And we uh, plan on Zooming from Vietnam as well. So set your calendars to these Wednesdays and set your calendars to the 9 o'clock hour, uh, your clocks, and we will be here waiting to talk with you. I'm going to have the chat on so I can see any questions that you want to ask me, and I'll pass them along to uh, Ted. Of course, a lot has happened, my friends, uh, since we were together last. But I want to thank, of course, before we get off into our stories, Melvin Law for supporting us. They have 50 years of experience. As you know, they're the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators and crime prevention with uh, John Pastore and Randy Elred, who protect us with their security systems. Uh, contact them at cpss.net and our uh, mugshots, which are brought to you by Maurice McDaniel Law Firm um, and our sponsors at the half of the hour, which we'll also notify you of, remind you of, and all the donors um, who help, help us in, on the QT. We really appreciate that. Uh, a lot has happened since Ted and I got together last with sure you, have. and uh, it has not been good. Now, Ted, I got to tell you, my man, I suspect you've gotten the same thing. I have never received such an avalanche of gloomy um, responses to this raid as I did immediately after it came out that it had happened. And, Ted, I got them from all walks of life, uh, from all sorts of professionals, and it was really, if that's the case and that's where we are, then we have really got a very serious dark cloud hanging over this country. It seems to be that the interpretation by all sorts of people, down to people who are not usually paying much attention to D.C., this got their attention. How do you read it, sir? No, I, I agree with you, and I get calls every day, but they sure escalated after that raid down in Mar-a-Lago, and this is unprecedented. No, no other time in our history has a president been raided like this and again, this is an extension of um, what we saw with the Democrats when they did Roger Stone, uh, when Obama White House authorized the investigation and the wiretapping of Trump. And this is something that we've never seen again. And like you and I were talking in the beginning, you know, the Constitution was written by our founders who went through this with the British government. And we are at that same point in time, I feel, and the people I've talked to, and I'm sure the people you've talked to feel the same way, you know, we have the Fourth Amendment for a reason. 
no illegal search and seizures are, you know, that was written in our constitution specifically for this reason. And here we are uh, a little over 240 years later, right at 240 years after the signing of the declaration and history repeats itself. And uh, there's going to have to be some strong actions and let's hope when the Republicans get in charge that they have the backbone to unwind this web that the Democrats have created or the deep state, whatever you want to call it, that they've created and that we get back to some normalcy. Well, you know, just to give you an idea, and I don't um, tell you, I'm not sharing anything with you. I'm sure you've not already uh, been right there with me on not only our individual uh, uh, communications that have occurred where people contacted us, but the editorial in the Wall Street Journal today says, um, uh, makes several points. It says, as we agreed, just talked a moment ago, that FBI law enforcement action of this kind is unprecedented against an American president. Um, the documents that I uh, have, uh, one attorney contacted me and said that the president determines what is classified and what isn't. And, and so um, that's in his hands. Um, these document disputes, by the way, according to the editorial in the journal, are typically settled in negotiation. Uh, so what's the big deal here? Obviously, we can read between the lines. And one scenario is that it's an attempt to continue what they started when he came down the uh, escalator years and years ago. And then, of course, this has now reached, as you know, Ted, a kind of a public awareness of unfairness because they know that Hillary Clinton mishandled classified information. She had, th- you know, she had classified information on a private uh, computer that never would have been discovered, probably, had it not been for her handmaiden, if you will, having a husband who was a little bit out of out of his lane and kept all this stuff available to search. And they stumbled onto that just as they have the Hunter Biden information. Right. Uh, nothing's become of that, Ted. Uh, we think uh, the FBI search is nothing more than a fishing expedition, which really does it not, sir, render it politically irresponsible um, uh, and makes it maybe even criminal. Um, so what is, you know, the burden of proof, everyone knows this, and I'm sure you can chime in on this and support or enlarge or whatever uh, for criminality where a president is especially high for indicting a former president. So, what is? Uh, yes, sir. I saw you freeze there for a minute. Yeah. Um, um, when you look at this and you go back to President Trump working through that investigation, the Russian hoax that was proven to be a hoax that was all concocted by the Democratic Party, uh, um, Christopher Steele, the Clintons, um, the attorneys that were involved in that was all proven to be false. But yet Trump turned over records. I mean, he came out in the beginning, says, hey, you can have any record you want. He never tried to hide anything. And, and he's worked with the National Archives on these records at the National Archive. And there's people in there really pushing him to turn over more records. And he's turned over what, I forget how many documents, over 15,000, I think it is. So he has been willing to work with them, but they keep pushing. And it's like you were saying, it's a fishing expedition. And so they're looking and it's almost like, and I I know we've seen this in our country of recent, and this is something that should give concern to everybody. They're saying you're guilty until proven innocent. And our system is set up, you're innocent until proven guilty. That's been flipped. And we've seen that too many times here. I mean, look at January 6th. Um, I'm going to do a comparison real quick of Elon Musk with Twitter 
when he decided to pull out, Twitter's suing him, and they found a judge to make it a speedy trial, all right, because Elon Musk was wanting to push free speech on the on Twitter, but yet we've got all these people up there that were at the January 6th protest that have been locked up, and they haven't had the right to a speedy trial because they're conservatives, and they are questioning the results of the election. Elon Musk is fighting to get free speech out on Twitter. And so the Justice Department is going after him with a speedy trial. And it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. And it's just a, it's hypocrisy is what it is. And it's a double standard that we've seen over and over again. And you brought up Hillary Clinton and the investigation that was done with her. Um, uh, um, uh, James or Robert Koskinen was the director of the IRS at the time. He's the one that directed them to destroy those uh, emails and we forget about Anthony Weiner, who had all that information on his laptop uh, with his wife at the time, uh, Uma, I forget her last name, um, but how that information was in his personal laptop that was classified information. But nothing gets done with that, and it gets swept under the rug because they're the party that is behind all of this. Well, the other thing is so obvious to continue with this uh um, the narrative is that this raid occurs only 90 days from a national election. Yeah. And, you know, here's two ways to read this. And a lot of the, the even the liberal papers are saying and liberal outlets, um, hey, you just made a martyr out of this guy by this. If you thought Trump was going to go away. And I think one of his quotes, he evidently said at the Sarah Palin rally somewhere. He said, oh, just another day in paradise. That has got to drive them nuts. You hey, know, William, I thought that's where I was. <laughs> <laughs> He's been asking about the raid. He's all just another day in paradise. I mean, this guy has been putting up with this. And as his son has said, no president has ever suffered and peached twice. Um, that was baloney. Uh, double standards on investigations in the criminality of, of, uh, of people from the black, from the deep state. Um, and furthermore, if this can, well, it has. I mean, it really has. It set a precedent for every future president to be a possible target. And um, uh, that's that alone should cause everybody pause, even if they are Trump fans or not. And uh, right. that that is kind of the prevailing conversation I'm seeing from a lot of the of the uh, responsible uh, publications that I, I take a look at, even the ones which were are not triple A, so to speak, uh, given to some sort of hyperbole or so still pretty much are towing this narrative line. Well, I agree with you. And, and, you know, the Democrats, like you said, we're seeing several of them coming out and say, this is just not right. It doesn't feel right. It, we shouldn't be doing this. And I, if I were Barack Obama or Eric Holder, I'd be squirming a little bit right now, knowing that the Republicans stand a very, very good chance of getting into the majority. And if Jim Jordan will be the chairman of the Oversight Committee, these investigations will go on. And you and I have talked about this investigations are fine, but don't do them if you're not going to follow through and arrest somebody, put somebody in prison for periods of time that is justified by the act that they committed. And if we look into this and you brought up Hillary Clinton again, you know, we knew she was complicit and she was guilty because she got fined, paid the fine and it gets washed away. But that's not justice. That's just sweeping away um, um, uh, a, a crime and, and she's privileged in, in that they had the money and they're ex-presidents and first ladies and secretary of states. So they can do that. And it's like they're above the law. 
justice needs to be served. And I think that's what the American people are really fed up about. And if they do away with Trump, they haven't done away with the cause that brought in a Donald Trump or the Tea Party into power. Um, that, that still is there. And that's the disgust the American people have with the way the government is operating. And it's an overbearing government. Just tuning in, we're talking every Wednesday with uh, Representative Ted Yolo, who spent eight years in the House and term limited himself and is now um, part um, of our continuing effort to inform you, the public, of what is another narrative other than the one you practically cannot get away from in all sorts of public media, television, print, the whole nine yards. So we have a little bit of experience with this. Ted, especially in D.C., and I have uh, no newcomer to the political circle. So together, we hopefully we can uh, give you some information that will uh, give you a, a little bit of a, another uh, sort of look at things. Now, you know, uh, Holman Jenkins writes also uh, today in the journal, and this is they have several articles today, Ted, in the journal um, that the third his title is third try a charm for FBI meddling and. <laughs> You know, the FBI, let's remember this too, Ted, as we just alluded to a moment ago, the FBI deliberately, deliberately promoted the fiction, okay, the fiction that the Hunter Biden laptop was foreign disinformation to help Joe Biden in the 2020 election. This is coming from Holman Jenkins, though the agency had been in possession of the laptop for nearly a year and knew it was was illegitimate. Huh? What do you make of that? Were you around? Sir? Hello? I'm sure you're hearing me. I'm talking. Are you all right? Yeah. Could you hear this, what I said just now? I could not hear that, but I think I know what you're talking about, how they are complicit in uh, the. Let me repeat what I said then that the FBI deliberately promoted the fiction that the Hunter Biden laptop was foreign disinformation to help Joe Biden in the 2020 election, even though the agency knew uh, that it was not legit. No, you're absolutely right. In fact, there were 17 intelligence personnel, head of these departments, that signed the letter saying that that was all Russian hoax. This this goes back to... um, um, when they did the Russian investigation, the Russian collusion with Trump, the FBI, again, with um, the, the bad players in that, um, authorized or went to the FISA courts to get the FISA um, approval to investigate Trump. And we were talking to a friend yesterday or somebody that was very concerned about this. When they started that investigation on the Russian hoax, um, the first one, I'm not a lawyer, but I read the intelligence report. The first one I can say, well, you know what? We've got this steel dossier. We don't know if it's true. We assume it's true because the FBI said, hey, this is factual. So they issue a FISA warrant. But by the time the second, third, and fourth one came out to be authorized for uh, more investigations and wiretappings to expand that net, we knew the first one was false. And that's what the whole thing was based on. So none of the other ones should have been signed. And it's the same thing with what the FBI and these other agencies all said that Hunter uh, Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. They are lying to us. And we have, and I hope everybody, whether you, I don't care what your political party is. Um, I hope you're just American at heart and you believe in our constitution and the rule of law 
that we have to get to the bottom of this and expose these people and throw them out and make sure these agencies don't become political weapons, as um, I'm sure will come up the IRS with their 86,000 new uh, stormtroopers out there or brown shirts, you know, that um, I'm sure you heard the reports where they heard 500 million rounds of ammunition just in the FBI or the IRS. Well, you know, you know, Here. you know, I was talking with a gentleman, uh, just a friend of mine who is, you know, he's been successful. He's been in a position and he's done well and he has assets and he's in his elder years. And uh, all of a sudden he realizes, hey, he's not immune from him coming after him, too, uh, sure. through the IRS. Through the IRS. I mean, here's a gentleman who is, you know, in his senior years, who has worked hard and has acquired assets, which can be a liability now, not a, you know, oddly enough, because that can be all investigated with these IRS. And we know Lois Lerner was never punished, right? She took the Fifth Amendment, never, and still gets a, still gets a a check from the government. Right. You know, and I think these are, again, this is what causes the angst with the American people. And under the Obama administration, the IRS was weaponized. You remember the conservative groups that they went after, the Tea Parties and anybody that was a heavy donator, donor to the Republican Party or the conservative cause, they were scrutinized and audited at a higher rate. I mean, this is, this is all factual. This is not hearsay. We also saw the Department of Labor going after our farmers, which was weaponized under the Obama administration in the sense that they were a heavy hand and they were... Um, they were shaking people down and I, we can talk more about that. But I mean, we were on phone calls with the Department of Labor and they just said, well, this is the way we interpret the rule and the guy owes us the money. And there was no due process. There wasn't any courts. It was like, you pay the money or we're going to go to court and it's going to cost you a lot more. And uh, it was interesting when we were on that phone call. I think they had seven attorneys at the Department of Labor and it was uh, me and my staff and uh, our team was there. And it's just a shakedown. And I told the guy, I said, this is nothing more than a shakedown. You guys must be like the mafia. <laughs> you can imagine how well that went. <laughs> well, to expand on this Hunter Biden thing, uh, the, the, you know, he's cashed in, obviously. Uh, he cut this lucrative deal on the board with a controversial Ukrainian gas company. And he included his father on that. He's referred to as the big guy. Joe Biden's referred to as the big guy in a memo uh, that they've got a hold of. And, and reportedly, um, Joe himself gets a 10% stake in what um, the political influencing of the office has afforded his son. So his son launders the money through to his dad. His dad's name gets him the job. You know, what a neat, sweet deal, Ted. I, mean, I tell you what, <laughs> it, 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 just, it's, it just reeks with uh, bad doings and just illegal activities. And we saw this in Ukraine, too, when Biden was vice president, shaking down their attorney general over there, basically, that position, saying, if you don't fire this guy, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. That's the same thing they accused Trump of holding $400 million from Ukraine, the quid pro quo that we heard over and over and over again from Adam Schiff and the Democratic investigators on those committees. It was it's, it's just it's a double standard played out. And the American people, I hope, will hold that party accountable. And, you know, the the uh, uh, some of this seems to be that Biden has routinely and deliberately uh, uh, loaned his name uh, to his son for influence peddling, even with China. Yeah. Uh, which is you you're, you're, you've been on those foreign affairs, Asian committees. Uh, can you expand that that uh, scenario a little bit, Ted? 
Well, just in that situation there with China, uh, with the amount of money that the Bidens uh, threw Hunter Biden and his association over there, I mean, we're talking millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that have gone through there. And these are deals that Hunter Biden did with the Chinese government through a shell company. And, and people just need to understand how the Chinese, uh, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party works. That is the government. There is no higher entity than that. And so a business does not operate in China or a Chinese business in any country without the blessings of the Communist Party. And so with Hunter Biden doing this uh, prior to Joe Biden being elected, and now that he's elected, that money is still coming in. I know they said they've washed their hands, but they just go through shell companies where they're not, um, they're, they're removed by several different layers, but it's still the same game going on. And why we're not investigating that or the Democratic Party should be really concerned about that because it is influence peddling and it needs to be held accountable. And again, if the Republicans, when they get in charge, they need to be hard about this and they need to carry it to fruition on these investigations. And if they're not going to do it, it's like I told Jim Jordan and Paul Ryan, don't do the investigation. If, why waste the money and the patience of the American people? If you get a conclusion, but you don't follow through with the prosecution of that and turn it over to the attorney general. I've got a question coming in. Why is the Speaker of the House so quiet about this? He apparently is quiet about this Mar-a-Lago thing. Uh, it's interesting. You know, sometimes if you're guilty <laughs> in arranging, <laughs> you better not say like, nothing. You better let's not. Uh, you put it in place and then you just sit back and watch the house fall down. And just say, oh, that's just a shame. Uh, you but think they were, might have had something to do with it, though. Yeah. Well, you know, the deep state. Yeah, look at the deep state. Look at look at the Cheney uh, uh, race out in uh, Wyoming. Look what's going there. Liz Cheney's very far behind. So she's asking Democrats to help her. Dick Cheney's come out uh, giving um, campaign videos and doing campaign rallies for her. The Democrats are supporting her, and it's that deep state, the party of big government, if you will. It's made up of the elites or the higher-up echelons of both parties. And it's not a conspiracy theory. It's, it's factual. So these people are trying to stop Trump any way they can. But what they don't fail to realize, if, if they stop Trump, there will be another Trump-esque type of person that comes up um, because the underlying cause again, is not going away. And that's liberty and freedom that American people feel threatened on. I mean, what do you think about it? Am I wrong in that? I think what the American people are beginning to, to become aware of, even people who are, for better or worse, have chosen not to pay any attention to politics because it upsets them so much. Now they want to pay attention because they realize, I had a gentleman call me, um, and he, this gentleman's in his 80s, Ted, and you actually know him, but you would know him right away. He's a rancher. He's a cattleman. He owns. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. He called me and said, I, if I weren't so old, I'd go to another country. Um, and that that is where we are with a lot of people, Ted. I mean, I got several calls that way. Where, what do we do? Where do we go? Is there something other than here? Uh, um, they and, and, and what's so sad about this is is they really feel it's almost impossible to fight the federal government. Um, when you institutionalize as weapons of war, all the IRS and the, and the, the courts. Now, 
we'll get down to the courts in a moment because the courts are the one place where Trump beat them. He put in a lot of, he changed the Supreme Court, obviously. Thank God for that. And what have they done? They've allowed people to pick at these justices' homes with impunity. Uh, they hate it. They've talked about term limiting the Supreme Court. It's the last institution that they haven't been able to get control of, uh, as the way a lot of people read it. I happen to read it that way, too. They've gotten, obviously, control of the FBI. They've got control of the IRS. They've got control of the Department of Justice. Uh, they've gotten control of the media. They've gotten control of the academics. What does it leave? That's a good point. You know, you're talking about that 80-year-old rancher wants to leave. Um, I've had a lot of people, and I'm sure you have, said, you know, I want to move out of America. But where are you going to move to? You know, if America falls, if that bastion of liberty and freedom, that shining city on the hill fails, there is not going to be a safe haven in the rest of the world. You're going to have a communist, uh, a Chinese-style authoritarianism that puts people on the good citizen score. And you're going to be scored on everything you do. And we're doing that here in this country. You know, it's happening with the Internet and the way they can track everything you do. Um, so if America fails and the rule of law and the protection of liberty and freedom that's enshrined in our Constitution that says our rights come from creator, not from government. Government's instituted by we the people to protect those God-given rights. If that fails... There is not a safe haven in, in, in anywhere in the world. And you said, how, how can we fight back? Well, go back to what our founders had to go through. There was only a third of the population at the time estimated that wanted to break away from England. A third wanted to stay and a third was complicit. They, they, they were complacent. They didn't care. They could go either way. But thank God there was enough of the people that says we're going to change this. And that's all it takes is people that believe in what we have and you want to protect it for future generations. And I think there's enough of us out there. I really do. And it's uh, programs like what you have, the Ward Scott Files, that gets this word out there. And uh, congratulations. You told me how many platforms you're on. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, I want to thank production for putting this out there because um, basically I just am uh, the narrator and these, uh, these people behind the scenes here know how to engineer us out to a larger audience. So I really appreciate that. But well, you, you couldn't do that. that. You couldn't do that without your sponsors, and that's so important for your sponsors. And I know you're getting ready to go into a break, and you're going to mention them. But it's your sponsors helping you do this to get this word out is what's going to educate the American people. That's where we really need more sponsors. The more sponsors we get, the better and stronger we are. And it's really not about me. It, it's not about uh, it, you know. It's it's not about. I don't know how to exactly say this. It's not a money making deal. It is something to amplify the voice. I mean, so when I tell the sponsors that, some of them will say, well, I don't really need the advertisement. No, I know, and I don't really need the money, so to speak, but you need our voice, and you need to subsidize our voice and, and make sure we can get it out there. And you know, that's that's why we got the donation button set up, too. But still, uh, people, some people all react when it's in their backyard, so to speak, but I guess it's getting closer to their backyard. That's really what we're saying, I think, as I sit here and think about it. Even Joe, who has a, a view in his backyard that looks out at the squirrels and things, realizes, hey, you know, they know, as we said a moment ago with the Internet, they know where I am. You know, before we break, one of the most interesting things, uh, Ted, about how they took out the Al-Qaeda guy 
was by following his pattern of living. Well, what one of us doesn't have a pattern of living that isn't known to the eye in the sky? I get in my truck and, and the next thing it says is it knows it assumes that I'm going somewhere. It gives me the down and distance of where I'm going. How does it know I'm going there? I mean, it's watched the pattern. So there, you know, this is something that is uh, tremendously important to realize that uh, it takes courage and leadership. Fundamentally, finally, I think it takes leadership and courage to do these kind of battles. And uh, uh, the gentleman I was talking about, who is also, um, you know, con- contemplating, you know, being harassed by the I, uh, IRS, all of a sudden he realized, and I'm assuming he's watching right now. He said he's going to be watching right now. Um, hey, buddy, you know, I better help you guys because if you guys don't fight this battle, we ain't got nobody to fight this battle. <laughs> well, we've got to create the momentum and get that going for this next election. But not it's not just the next election. It's getting the right people in there. And, um, you know, I, I know Kevin McCarthy. He's a nice guy. But in my experience, he's not the leader that we need in the House of Representatives. And so those are the questions you need to ask the candidates running for um, for your vote, you know, for um, for election this coming up in this primary, are you going to support, who are you going to support for speaker? And if it's Kevin McCarthy, that's a, that's a big red flag. You know, I served with him for eight years. And uh, like I said, he's a nice man, but he's not the leader this nation needs at this time. You know, just before we take a break, you alluded to something about the audience, the three different audiences, if you will, um, that some were for breaking away from the motherland, some were and some were go either way. Uh, you know, I taught the Declaration of Independence as a rhetorical strategy in uh, my composition classes. And I teach them right away that that declaration was written for those three different audiences. There are parts in that that address an interest, particularly of this audience. There are parts in there that address an interest of this. That's one of the things nobody ever talks about is how skilled putting together that narrative was to address the three different interests. That whole document, I mean, if you look at that, I mean, that's never been written before. And as you know, it was the first time ever people tried self-government that worked. And uh, it's so impactful that Ho Chi Minh read that when they declared independence as an independent nation. Ho Chi Minh read our Declaration of Independence in its entirety. And so it's something that's inspired people all over the world. And it's a, it's a basic innate thing that people want. We want liberty. We want freedom. We want self-determination and self-government. And ours is the first one that did it properly. And it's at risk of being taken away by somebody that has a political agenda. And their agenda should be protecting and preserving the Constitution. Well, we're talking with Ted Yoho here. And it's going to be right back after our break to thank our sponsors and talk about the weather a little bit with you. And we'll continue this conversation. And I'm checking the chat line here. So if you have a comment, let me see. And I'll, I'll be able to pass it along. Uh, we are very serious about what we do together on Wednesdays, and it's, I'm very flattered to have Ted join uh, in this to build to build this to build this voice. Really, that's what it's about, and we really need support from you all to help us build this voice. We're reaching out to other avenues, which we really are a little premature to talk about right now, but uh, we're trying to get that done. And uh, uh, it's a desperate time, and it's been described in different ways as a dark cloud, a gloomy time, uh, all kinds of different, really poetic terms, if you will, that have been used. Uh, people write poetic terms when there really is a definite 
desperate situation. They'd reach for language to say things that they wouldn't normally say. So that's another interesting aspect of all this. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Uh, Actor Production takes us out for our sponsors. Be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com. And click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right. Welcome back to the Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here with my great co-host on Wednesdays, Ted Yoho. I'm uh, going to thank Lewis Oil for supporting uh, this part of the show today with our weather. I've got to tell you, it's going to feel over like it's over 100 degrees again today in our parts of north central Florida. And it's uh, not really changing much. Um, the, 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 the national scene, of course, is hot everywhere. Uh, we have uh, uh, southeast is maybe going to get a little reprieve from the steamy air uh, to come. But it's... Uh, not going to be a great deal. Uh, we've got some signs of life out in the ocean now for that which drifts off the uh, African coast is kind of an innocent little uh, group of uh, winds and all of a sudden builds into a crescendo. I once read in National Geographic a very big, very interesting analysis about how 
a hurricane actually starts. It starts with the beating of a butterfly's wings <laughs> and builds from there. The butterfly wings create this kind of turmoil that creates a kind of turmoil that gets bigger and bigger. And then it gets over the water and in the water and all this business. And I don't know how far-fetched it was, but it was very interesting reading. And it was in National Geographic. So we may still have some flood concerns uh, in certain areas that have been flooded. We're going to get a quick escalation into a, a very serious uh, flood condition if we're not careful in those areas. And there's not much you can do about it. Uh, rising water, I've decided, as Jim Dickey once suggested to me, is the most frightening of natural disasters because it just keeps coming and you don't have any control over it. Uh, the fires do go away after a while. The earthquakes settle down. The tornadoes move away. That rising water is a very powerful, I suppose it's not for naught that it's also the way in which the, the Lord destroyed evil the first time around uh, with the flood. Uh, certainly these people knew things then that were universal and ever so, and obviously put them into our, uh, into our spiritual minds and hearts. So uh, it makes you very humble to realize that uh, you're at the mercy of a power much bigger than you when water starts to rise. So, it sure does. Uh, it sure does. Well, we're back here, and, and Ted and I were talking on the break about all the hoax, and I don't know what you, you know, for, Ted, I'm, I'm sorry, I, uh, but when I was a kid, I used to go to the fairs, the country fairs, and I was always a sucker for the barkers. Step right up and see the lady with the beard, you know, and every time I hear something promoted like Build Back Better or uh, some of these other things, I'm reminded of the fair. And I think, my golly, is it nothing more than a big fair there? Step right up and see the lady with the beard. And, and you go in there and you fall for it and pay your ticket. And away you go. <laughs> Almost always disappointed. So now we've got a situation, which I've always considered, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, but I'm easily wrong a lot of the times. But I just can't get excited about, it's been called different things. Save the earth, save the planet global warming, and now it's called climate change. But it's all being used to give subsidies, according to Alicia Finley, uh, to General Motors to build electric cars and stick a fork in the doggone fossil fuel internal combustion engine. And I don't know how that's going to work on a farm. I, I mean, already we've uh -huh. negatively impacted diesel tractors because we used to run a diesel, as you know, Ted, all day long. Once we started that tractor, we never shut it off. But no. now with the emission controls on these things, you can't do that even with the diesels. <laughs> You've got to run them at a higher RPM to keep them running. And so they're burning more diesel. You know, you can't just plow in, you know, low gear and low RPMs because with the, the new standards and all that, it's got to run higher. So really, are we doing any good? And, um, you know, people talk about the heat index is the temperature says, but it feels like this. I'm one that says, well, if it's 91 degrees, it feels like 91 degrees. <laughs> I know you and I probably differ on that. And it's the same thing in the winter. Well, the temperature is 28, but it feels like 15. I'm like, no, it feels like 28 to me. <laughs> you know? And uh, but people keep they get accustomed to hearing that. And the real temperature says 98. But if somebody's saying it feels like 105, they're going around telling everybody the temperature is 105. <laughs> and I think we ought to say to the basics, if it's 98, it's 98. Let people determine what it is, not tell them. <laughs> um, but you're talking about the GM subsidies in this bill. Uh, bill back better, whatever you want to call these things. And it goes back to, I remember Sarah, Sarah Palin saying, 
you put lipstick on a pig and it still is a pig, you know, <laughs> this is a bad deal. And you brought up GM. Remember, GM was the one that took the biggest bailout along with Chrysler under the Obama, um, uh, that terrible bill. And I forget the name of that bill uh, was voted on before I got up there. Um, the cash for clunkers and all that. Uh, <laughs> and GM took the bailout in that uh, big bailout bill. And here they are again. And you and I were talking over the break that 70% of these cars, the electric vehicles made today, do not qualify for the subsidies in um, this bill because 60% of the product has to be made in the United States. Well, nobody's doing that today. In fact, Elon Musk was not invited to uh, a White House uh, meeting on electric vehicles and he is the largest electric vehicle production in the world. China's coming up close behind him, but they didn't invite him. And it's because he's got a conservative uh, standpoint. And it's just, it's, it's, if it wasn't my government and my country, it would be laughable. It'd be a Saturday Night Live skit, but it's not. And this is something we need to be really serious about. Get well, adult talk, Washington. They talk about this lady, uh, Mary Barra. Bara, who is the CEO of General Motors, and um, what she has done is she's betrayed, evidently, according to Alicia Finley, she's also the chair of a business roundtable, which is a big business outfit that uh, lobbied furiously against the Inflation Reduction Act, and yet <laughs> she turns around and supports this thing because she's also the chair of General Motors, and so, <laughs> you know, it, you can't make this stuff up. And um, the only way, obviously, the reason she jumped on this, and you remember, by the way, I have, I have a story to tell you that um, may have told you this. I'll keep the identity of the fellow quiet, but he had a um, had had in the family since 1936 a General Motors franchise. Um, oh, yeah. You remember that story? Yeah, I remember it very well. I, yeah, in all, fact, I know Chrysler dealers that went through that, too. Yeah, and all of a sudden they got a letter from Obama saying, hey, you voted Republican. We're taking away your franchise. Basically, that's what it said, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and it was just stunning. We couldn't believe it. Um, so, you know, the only way these darn things are, are going to work, and I don't know if they even work, is to a full uh, uh, array of government subsidies. I mean, that's – and so these people, you know, she's being loyal to her – General Motors, and you know, I got to take care of my shareholders. And the only way I'm going to get in the game is to back their agenda and swallow the bitter pill. If we want to look at it in some sort, of, give her some sort of modicum of honesty. Um, but she's going to get back this truckload of subsidies. And furthermore, correct me if I'm wrong. Those automobile agencies are controlled by the unions, are they not? Yeah, they pretty much the unions and um, they, they're in cahoots with the regulators in Washington, the people that write the rules and that. So, yeah, you can see how this all works. You know, we're going to subsidize this kind of a vehicle. And so that's the law. But then it goes to the regulatory departments like the Department of Energy, Department of EPA, um, and they write the rules. And the union is at the table writing the rules to favor that company. You know, I saw that when I was up there and that's unfortunately the way things go. And you're saying the CEO of GM, you know, she's scolding with one hand, but has her hand out behind her on the other hand, taking the subsidy, you know, working with the administration because 
she's doing what's good for her, her company and for the bottom line and the profit. And so now they can be ESG compliant, which is bogus. Um, and this happens to our politicians in Washington, too, because leadership will tell them to vote for a terrible bill and they'll vote for it. And there's there was a few of us up there. that said we're not voting for that. It's, it's a bad bill for the American people. And um, they sure don't like that. And we need more people that are willing to stand up to leadership and and change leadership and direct them. And the policy ought to be a policy that's best for America based on the tenets of the Constitution. Well, as battery production is no secret, it's a very risky thing. Most of it's done in other countries. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking a moment ago as we were talking in the first half of the show about America and where we are. It's very likely one scenario you can you can. It's not very far fetched. We led the world in in in, uh, in quality of living uh, for many, for a couple three centuries here. It's very likely we could easily lead the world down in quality of living as well. Because if we don't succeed, uh, then there's nothing else that can set the standard. And another thing that is underlying all this, it seems to me, the more I'm in this talk show world, uh, Ted, is, is um, the loss of quality, the loss of quality as a merit, as a, as a standard. I sure. see it eroding in education. I see it eroding in our leaders. I see it. We just talked about the hand behind your back with the corporate people. Um, and, and that all compromising behavior is going to not – we won't incline, we'll decline. And when we decline, um, there's nothing to fill the void. I, I don't see anything to build. Meanwhile, we talked about this. We talked about China licking its chops to get into Taiwan right now. I don't know if we could stop that. I mean, I really, I'll tell you the truth. I don't know if we can stop it, Ted. What, 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 do you, what do you think about that? With the present lead, leadership in Washington, it'll be hard to, but yes, it can be stopped and it needs to be stopped. Um, I just finished a book called In War and Peace, written by Gene Edward Smith, and it's about the Eisenhower years. Back in 54, China and was going to invade Taiwan. Shanghai Shek had moved there, and, and Formosa is what Taiwan is. It used to be called Formosa, and it was an independent nation in the 18, early in the late 1800s, and then Japan took it over and had to cede it back to after World War II, and it became an independent nation again. And so uh, China wants to move into that. If they do, you understand that um, T- I think it's TSMC is um, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing. Uh, they're the largest in the world and the highest quality chips made in the world. Luckily, they're making a plant in Arizona. Um, we tried to get them to Florida, but we didn't. And, um, you know, if they attack Taiwan, you think the supply chain is, is bad now? It'll get real bad on the electronics. And anybody who's trying to buy a new car, they say, order it today, and it'll be here three to six months, and your chips will be in it. That's how slow things are happening. And it's just going to be a disruption of this. And with the strong leadership, and we put pressure on our companies to move out of China, their manufacturing, and go to anywhere but China, we can put the economic pressure on China. And uh, Xi Jinping is under a lot of pressure now because they have – Uh, a lot of high unemployment, the cost of living has gone up, and they're under lockdown continually. This pressure on him of moving manufacturing out of there will lead to him hopefully stepping down and a new direction for China will come up. But it has to be an all-out effort right now. 
Well, uh, the, the, the timing of that, combined with the other front, of course, with Russia going into Europe, um, I'd have to say that Putin, as we've talked before, sees us so uh, discombobulated internally here that we will not uh, do much of any, you know, we hear, but I, I got to tell you, every time I hear we sent billions of dollars of this and that, I keep thinking of what we left on the ground in Afghanistan. I, I, I don't see any continuity or any vision or leadership in foreign policy either, Ted. There isn't. Um, this is something that w- was something we tried to do. I'll give you a good example if I haven't done this before. If you look at foreign policy, our foreign policy should su- succeed and live beyond a president or a Congress or, you know, members of Congress. Uh, great point. Our two ex- illustrations is the JCPOA, which was the Iran nuclear deal that Obama and John Kerry and a couple other people negotiated in the Paris Climate Accord without discussing the merits of either one of those. If you look at them, you know, Obama put it as put us in it. Trump took us out. Biden puts us back in there. And these are four year periods of time. All right. So step back and pretend to be an ally. You look at America's in Paris Climate Accord and the JCPOA. We're in it for four years. Trump takes us out. Biden puts us back in there. And it's like, a, a you know, um, doing the hokey pokey. You got one foot in, one foot out. You know, our policy should be that they're there for 30, 40 years. And it can't be changed by a president unless there's an act of war or a national emergency. Then they can supersede that but it should go back to where it was before that. That would give stability to our allies and just uh, stability to our Congress as far as what we're going to vote on, what is important for America. So uh, those things need to be changed. And again, the people running for Congress, we need to ask those those questions. What are you going to do to change this? You know, that's very, uh, that's one of the purposes of this show, I think, now I listen to you. People don't know what to ask. You know, they, they, they don't, they're, their information, if it comes from the public media, is misinformation. One can safely assume that pretty much of the time. And they just don't know what to ask because they don't know what the issues are. I think I've told you that story about the butcher friend of mine I had years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And the lady asked why that meat's green, and he knew right away she didn't know the answer. So he could tell her anything he wanted to tell her. Oh, lady, that, girl, that, 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 that cow just ate a lot of green grass. That's why it's green. And, That's lush. Well, <laughs> huh? he did. <laughs> But that's kind of the, the political world. The, lady, you know, the person doesn't know the uh, uh, right. Yeah, I can tell them whatever I want to. I used to run into this when I was being interviewed from time to time by young reporters. I, I realized I had to stop and educate them to help them know what to ask me because they didn't know what to ask me. And I said, well, don't, you know, I'd say to the boy who went hot on the mic, I'd say, don't ask me that question. It doesn't mean anything. Here's what you'll ask me. You know? <laughs> yeah. But a lot of politicians don't do that. They don't bother to do that. They don't want to be asked a tough question like, how can you be the CEO of, of, uh, of, of GM and at the same time, you know, carve out a deal for subsidies at the expense of the other business group you're chair of? I mean, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, but, but they're going to go through with that. And uh, I was disappointed to see Manchin. I don't want to say he caved in, but he, he supported that. I mean, he got some things out of that for the energy industry. And, you know, that's a big part of his base in uh, Virginia, West Virginia. And, um, you know, it's, we just need people again, that aren't going to push a political agenda. They should put an American agenda and that should be first. And, you know, if it's a, if it's a policy that's good for America based on the constitution, 
then every, we ought to all be behind it. But what we're seeing now is these political agendas that are into social engineering and changing the very fabric this country was founded on. And uh, that's why you're getting so much turmoil. And that's why you can get rid of Trump, but there'll be another Trump type of person that'll come in and they'll probably be stronger. Hard to imagine, but I think they'll be stronger and more focused. Well, you absolutely uh, have put your finger on, you know, Trump doesn't exist in a vacuum. Uh, So people's frustration with the business as usual in D.C., and for the first time, this is my interpretation of it, and by, you know, you know, chime in if I've got it off, off, off kilter here, but uh, people got frustrated. They saw, basically, they saw what Obama was doing. Obama, you know, came in as a great uh, hope for unifying America. He actually divided America. You know, he had that beer garden deal where he called the cops out for knocking on the wrong door, made a big, you know, racial political statement about that. Uh, you know, and basically came out and said, you know, you didn't build it, you know, all this stuff, criticized capitalism. Um, he really and set in motion, you know, weaponized the IRS and all this stuff. And this was building, you know, went after the Tea Party, which was probably in my lifetime, one of the most interesting, successful grassroots organizations I've ever seen. It really was. It really was to have you think about it. I mean, my golly, those people. Re- and that this Trump thing is an extension, if I may say so, of the Tea Party grassroots movement um, in a lot of ways. Because oh, absolutely. There's no okay. doubt about it. Yeah. And it's not Trump. going away. In fact, it's going to increase as a result. If they don't find some, I don't see how they can find anything that justifies the raid. I've talked to judges and, and law enforcement people about it, and they are highly skeptical that had to be done that way, if anything else. Yeah, and Merrick Garland's been quiet on it. I mean, again, this is all stuff that they put their people in charge or they put their people in motion and they sit back and just act like nothing's happened. And they're quiet about it. And this is a very dangerous way for the government to be. And like you were saying, you know, Trump, Trump was a symptom. The Tea Party was a symptom. Somebody like me getting elected against a 24-year Republican incumbent in my own party is a symptom of the underlying problem. And that problem has not been addressed and we're getting further and further away from um, curing that underlying problem. And then that is the erosion of what the American, um, uh, the American dream, I think, stood for. We see it under attack. And, uh, you know, you look at the rules and the regulations coming down and, you know, the IRS getting weaponized and 86,000 more agents out there. Um, you know, our schools, you know, somebody wants to complain about schools and what's being taught to our kid, Merrick Garland's going after him as domestic terrorism. I mean, that's never happened in America. You know, I could see that happening under uh, the king back in the revolutionary days. If you talked out against him, you'd be uh, strung up and quartered. Um, you know, you made a very good reference to yourself there. Yes, you were popularly, if you will, elected by the people. You weren't part of the system. And give them very few chances to succeed, really, when you think about it. Um, some people thought, you know, Stern was invincible and you were, uh, you know, nobody really knew you. And yet you came forward in a pickup truck, if I remember. <laughs> the only thing I had. Yeah, a pickup truck and away you go. And so you're part of that popular people movement. And it hasn't gone away. It's probably going to, listen, this IRS really comes down like it says it's going to come down. It's going to come down and hurt the middle class. And they're not going to have the wherewithal, uh, particularly these um, business depreciations that are under attack and 
Right. And, but, you know, that's that's really that's 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 scary to the small business guy. It really is. And it's, you know, and I talked to a guy yesterday and he said uh, he was talking about the IRS and being weaponized with all these agents. And they're going to have a, a, a venue and they're going to have a, a mission to go out. And it's going to be I'm going to show you so your neighbor is really cognizant about what's going on. And he said he got audited several years ago and it cost him fifteen thousand dollars. He goes, if that were to happen today, it would probably be forty or fifty thousand dollars. So I couldn't afford to fight it. And so I'll just pay the taxes. And that's what they know. And so, like you said, it's going to hurt the, the smaller person. Corporations, they can write it all off and not worry about it. But the young, the smaller business or the guy looking to go into business, yeah. it's like, I'm going to take that risk. And so you get less people going into to business. And we already know that's happening in agriculture, you know, because it's so labor or capital intensive and labor intensive that they're like, I'm not doing that. And if we get to a point where we can't replace our farmers, which is 1% of our population, we have never seen a food crisis in this country. And uh, we've talked before where we pay about 6.25% of our um, discretionary funds on food. Wait till that goes 15, 20%. You're going to see people mad and uh, it'll be a different day in America. And I hope I never see it. Well, I'm telling you, you got your finger on something people don't even know much about. They just go to the grocery store and assume it will be there. Have no idea really where it came from. And, um, and, and when they do wake up, it's going to be too late to bring it back. And it's, I think, one of the most serious mistakes the country's made because we were a huge agricultural community. We could feed the world. Um, yeah. You know, if we, you know, sometimes it was based upon whether we could get the food to them. But if you want to see this going on right now, take a look at what's the shipping that's coming out of grain to try to feed people in these ports. Russia, quote unquote, has agreed to let stay open. And you can see just how thin a banana peel that is that people can be on. And some of the correspondents I know out in the field, Ted, have contacted me and said there's going to be poverty coming soon in that European world. Um, So I think we need to look here, too. Look what California did with the independent drivers out there. 70,000 independent drivers, Gavin Newsom said, you can't drive because you're not unionized. And look, how's that going to affect the supply chain with stuff coming into our Western ports in Los Angeles and San Diego and all that to get out to the rest of the world or the rest of America? That's going to, that, that's going to be significant. And that impact's not going to be felt for another six months. Absolutely. Well, we're out of time. We've been talking with Ted Yoho. We'll be doing this every Wednesday. and um, Appreciate it. We'll spread the word that we're here talking with you all. And um, if you know anybody who likes to jump on board and help sponsor us, let us know. We're all for that. And uh, we'll bring you the best informative program we can bring you. And hopefully that you will exercise your responsibility and uh, act uh, in a wise way and towards contributing to the proper path for the country. So uh, thanks, Ted, for hope you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us, and thanks for having a good time down in Keys for the remainder of the time you're there. Always. And, uh, we'll be back tomorrow on the Ward Scott Files. Thank you so much. Warthog Command Center out. See you later.